You're listening to the Brooks Snow Podcast, conversations to help you look forward with faith. Faith in yourself, faith in God, and faith in your own mission and purpose. I am your host, Brooks Snow, and you have episode 82, Feel Your Feelings. The holidays are upon us, and this has truly been an unforgettable year of challenge. If your experience has been anything like mine, you have certainly traveled the spectrum of emotion. Normal life gives us plenty of opportunity to feel everything from sadness to joy, but I feel like this year has amplified the experience of these emotions in a really remarkable way. Sadness feels more sad. Anxiety feels more anxious. Peace feels more peaceful and joy feels more joyful. Though we were meant to experience the entire spectrum of emotion in this mortal life, we often try to be selective about what we feel. We humans like to avoid the uncomfortable feelings and seek after the more pleasurable ones. In this episode, we're going to explore why it is important to feel all of it and give a quick tool to help you be brave in feeling the feelings that you don't want to feel because of the reward to be found on the other side. If you enjoy this podcast, I know you would love my book, Living in Your True Identity. It's available in Deseret Book Stores and online at Amazon.com. It's filled with 21 tools to help you live life as the best version of yourself. Today's review of the week comes from Stacy in Arizona. She says, I love your mediator podcast. While hiking with friends here in our beautiful Arizona this morning, one of our friends told us about this episode of your podcast. I listened to it after I got home and it helped to quell some of my agitation over the recent election results. You mentioned something about Christian meditation in this episode. How do I learn more about that? Thank you so much for sharing. Stacy, thank you so much for your review. I am so grateful to know that the mediator episode has been helpful for you in dealing with the division is so prevalent in our country right now. Seeking for Christ as a mediator in these differences of thought and opinion has truly been my own saving grace through these trying times. And as for the meditation course, I have a great free meditation course that is the perfect place to get started. And I will provide a quick link for that in the show notes, or you can always find it on my website at brooksnow.com. If you want to be the reviewer of the week, please leave me a five-star review in iTunes and share your favorite takeaway so far. Your ratings and your reviews and taking the time to share this with someone you know would really benefit, that is what makes this podcast possible. And I am so grateful for you listening and for sharing. Friends, we have been through a challenging year. (laughs) The world is feeling lots of feelings right now, and I am sure you have felt them too. I've just been through a really challenging week in my personal life, and it has presented me with all sorts of difficult and uncomfortable emotions. And I'm going to be pretty vulnerable in this episode. I'm going to share some of my recent blunders and what I'm learning about emotion through these experiences. My hope is that you can learn from my own mistakes as well as navigate towards the feelings of peace and gratitude that we all seek at this time. So the first mistake I'm going to tell you about happened last week. I had my final live Q&A call in my mentoring program. The mentoring program I teach is called Mastering the Art of Showing Up. It's a 10-month high-level program 
where we focus on identity and habits, particularly how we can master the art of showing up in three ways. First, how to show up in our life as our true self. Second, how to show up in our habits. And third, how to show up every day with consistency. It's a really awesome approach to self-improvement that integrates the gospel with the most powerful science and philosophy in the world. I love it. Well, here I am. I finished my live call and I upload the recording for all the members to have as a replay on our private website. Now, my call had gone extra long because it was our final call of the year. So I was not in my typical workflow and my kids were wondering why I wasn't done yet and they needed me to resume homeschool. I'm also finishing my basement and I had workers here who needed me for some decisions. Not to mention, my husband has also been out of the country for almost six weeks and my solo parenting brain had reached an expiration date. (laughs) Needless to say, I got distracted and it was the perfect storm. I didn't come back to finish my task until a few hours later in which I discovered to my absolute horror that I had uploaded my recording, not to my private podcast feed, but to my public one. A private call had been published publicly on my perfectly polished podcast, and over 1,400 people had already downloaded it. Oh my goodness. I I can't even describe the humiliation I felt when I realized this. My entire body felt inflamed with embarrassment and sick with dread. I was absolutely mortified. Now, if you've listened to my podcast, you know how carefully edited they are. I script everything. Every word is chosen carefully. It is of the utmost importance that I never waste anyone's time. I want every second to be of value to the listener. And here, I accidentally publish a call that is very raw, completely unedited, and most importantly, it is not at all the intended audience. It was private. I deleted it immediately, but I couldn't take back those 1,400 downloads that had already occurred in that short time. Have you ever done something that you couldn't take back? (laughs) Have you ever felt humiliation and shame over something you did and felt at a total loss on how to resolve it? You ever had a moment where you revealed part of your life or story to people that you didn't intend to? Maybe you sent a deeply personal text or email to the wrong person. What do you do in those moments? How do you move from the humiliation into a better place when things really feel out of your control. Well, I'll tell you what I did. I sent a Voxer message immediately to my assistant and to my new personal coach. I reached out to my team and they both responded at the same time in the exact same way. They started quoting all the mantras I teach either on my podcast or in my mentoring group. The very first mantra that came in Everything is as it should be. Now, this is one I teach in my mentor group, but it's inspired by the work of Byron Katie, who teaches us to not argue against reality. In her book, Loving What Is, she says, when we argue against reality, 
we lose, but only 100% of the time. (laughs) How could I potentially be arguing against reality? Well, by saying this shouldn't have happened. The truth is, it did happen. I suffer far more by telling myself reality shouldn't be the way it is. It is what it is. I must accept it. The next mantra that came in, what's awesome about this? And then a slew of others. It's just data. Control the controllables. Learn by experience. Redeem the negative. Turning things around. (laughs) You can find nearly every one of these mantras as solo episodes, and I'll link to those in the show notes. But I sat there in those moments feeling a mixture of mortification about what had happened and gratitude to have a team of support reflecting back at me everything I stand for and believe in. They encouraged me by using my own words. And we talked about what I could possibly do to remedy the situation. And yet, at four o'clock in the morning, the next day, I awoke with dread once again. I turned to the mantra, what's awesome about this? Hoping to calm my beating heart. So what's awesome about this mistake? Well, maybe at least one person (laughs) needed something on that call, or maybe 1,400 people got a taste of just how awesome the mentoring group is, and they'll want to join in on the next one. What else is awesome about this? Well, I get to experience the support of an amazing team, and I get to practice what I preach. I constantly mess up, and I have my own challenges I'm working on, and I will be the first to admit every episode is born out of my desire to solve my own problems. So I decided at four o'clock in the morning to get up and to write this podcast. I wrote it. I sent it off to my assistant and my coach to edit and give feedback. Both of them approved my script, but my coach, who also happens to be one of my dearest friends and has an amazing spiritual gift of intuition, she suggested that I might not be quite ready to publish. Your words are great, she said, (laughs) but emotionally, you're still in the middle of this. I suggest you take the day off to process your emotions and feel your feelings. Well, she was right. Actually, she's pretty much always right. And she helped pinpoint a tendency that I have to rush to fix things. Or more accurately, my tendency to want to feel better fast and not feel uncomfortable for one more second than I have to. If you've spent much time in the world of mindfulness or self-help, then you've probably heard how important it is to feel your feelings. We humans don't like feeling uncomfortable feelings, and so we become experts at escaping them. We numb ourselves, distract ourselves, we close off to the uncomfortable. Many an addiction has started from avoiding our uncomfortable feelings. But sometimes, even our well-meaning attempts to optimistically pull out all the mantras and tools we have, we can skip over the very important stage of allowing ourselves to be uncomfortable. This right here is my most common means of escape. I try to fix it too fast. 
Think positive thoughts. Just be grateful. Change my actions. Smile. Be optimistic. See the good. Now, let me be clear. All of these are awesome. All of these are helpful. All of these can bring powerful change to our experience. However, they are step two, not step one. Recently, a friend of mine expressed deep disappointment in how the pandemic has canceled some important events in her family's life. No graduation ceremony, no senior trip, no senior prom, no extracurricular activities. She reluctantly admitted, I shouldn't be so sad about this. I should be feeling grateful. So many people have missed weddings, lost jobs. People have died. None of these tragedies have happened to me. I shouldn't be feeling disappointment and sadness. I should be grateful. Her words are similar to another friend of mine who spent the last five months living in her parents' basement with her family of six. What was supposed to be a two-week stay while her new home finished construction turned into five months of delays and living out of a suitcase in a cluttered and cramped space. It has been hard and challenging. And she said, I should be grateful I have a place to live. I shouldn't be feeling so frustrated. I too have found myself several times in the last six weeks of my husband being out of the country, shoving down my feelings of loneliness and overwhelm saying, six weeks is nothing compared to military spouses who leave for months at a time or longer And what about the early pioneers? And they would send their husbands on missions for years at a time. I shouldn't be feeling like this is hard when other people have it much harder. Comparisons are rarely helpful. And even in times they happen to bring perspective, they still aren't step one. What is step one? Feel it. Feel your feelings. Allow them. Don't judge them. We so quickly judge our feelings. We even label them good and bad. I feel good. I feel bad. Good and bad are not feelings. They are judgments. We also shame our feelings by saying we shouldn't be feeling what we feel or we should be feeling something different. I should be feeling grateful. But to say we should be feeling something we aren't is arguing against reality. What is step one? Feel your feelings. It's okay to feel sadness and disappointment over events canceled by the pandemic. It's okay to feel frustration from living in a less than ideal environment. It's okay for me to feel lonely and overwhelmed from single parenting. Saying we shouldn't feel those feelings is shaming them and blocking them. It's also lying. (laughs) We're arguing against reality. And as Byron Katie says, when you argue against reality, you lose. But only 100% of the time. (laughs) But guess what happens when we allow ourselves to feel those feelings? Opening up to those uncomfortable feelings allows them to process so we can progress to eventually feeling gratitude. But I can't be grateful if I'm closing off to the uncomfortable emotions that I don't want to feel. Closing off to one 
closes me off to the other. Gratitude is a really interesting feeling. And since it's November and American Thanksgiving is just a week away, we will likely all be reminded of how we need to be grateful. I am learning that I can't feel grateful if I'm not allowing myself to feel the other feelings that come with mortality as well. It's the ever-present dichotomy of opposition. (laughs) When Adam and Eve left the Garden of Eden, the Lord told Adam they must taste the bitter that they may know to prize the good. We have to pass through sorrow to know joy. We don't avoid sorrow to know joy. We don't numb ourselves to sorrow to know joy. We don't close off to sorrow to know joy. We have to pass through it. Feel your feelings. Passing through them is what allows us to progress to the emotions we are all truly seeking to feel. Hope, peace, gratitude, faith, assurance, love. If those more pleasurable feelings feel unattainable right now, I promise you they lay on the other side of feeling what is uncomfortable. And yet the idea of feeling uncomfortable can seem daunting. It may even bring up other more uncomfortable feelings, fear being a big one. In her landmark book, 90 Seconds to a Life You Love, Dr. Joan Rosenberg shares a shocking yet wonderfully encouraging discovery from more than 30 years of research. Rosenberg teaches that our uncomfortable emotions, which manifest first as bodily sensations, only last about 90 seconds. She says, you experience and move through these unpleasant feelings by riding one or more 90 second waves of bodily sensations. These bodily sensations help you access and begin to understand what you are feeling emotionally. Feelings are generally known at a physical level before you are consciously aware of them. She then goes on and teaches that the eight most common uncomfortable emotions include sadness, shame, helplessness, anger, embarrassment, disappointment, frustration, and vulnerability. Those bodily sensations, they may surface as maybe a knot in your stomach or blushing or tightness in your chest or many other physical sensations. She teaches that it is the bodily sensations that we so often try to avoid. From the work of Dr. Brad Nelson and his book, The Emotion Code, I have learned what happens when we close off to those uncomfortable emotions. We trap them inside, and now we get to carry those uncomfortable emotions for much, much longer. So if you had a choice between 90 seconds of feeling uncomfortable or years of feeling a numbed version of discomfort from avoiding and trapping the emotion inside, which would you choose? (laughs) 90 seconds is hardly any time at all in the grand scheme of things. And yet, I am amazed at how rarely I waited out that long. Even when I felt mortifying embarrassment for publishing my private conversation to my public podcast feed, 
I still didn't wait 90 seconds. I jumped into trying to fix it all and solve it as soon as possible. It wasn't until the following day with a gentle reminder from my coach that I paused to actually feel my feelings, my very uncomfortable feelings. Amazingly, Dr. Rosenberg is spot on. The bodily sensations pass rather quickly. My circumstances didn't change, but my heart and my body regulated. She explains it saying, physiologically, our bodies cannot maintain arousal states for very long. Making your way through feelings, especially uncomfortable ones, mainly involves tolerating the bodily sensations until the body re-regulates. The body prefers to be at homeostasis, its typical state, and will try to get back to baseline as soon as possible. So (laughs) what happens after those 90 seconds? Did my situation magically clear up and I could skip down the lane singing a happy tune? (laughs) Not exactly. My body did regulate. I didn't feel the physical sensations any longer. I also cried for a while, which helped immensely in clearing out the uncomfortable emotions and accepting them for what they were. Chances are also high that some of the emotion I was carrying was impacted from other challenges like single parenting for six weeks or managing a construction project in my basement for months on end and living in chaos with the accompaniment of saws and hammers and the presence of workers in my home causing constant disruption to my schedule. Oh yes, and homeschooling and trying to maintain a business all while the world is trying not to fall apart with a pandemic and divisive presidential election. Let's just say it was a really important moment to cry and totally feel all of the feelings I'd been avoiding in the name of being optimistic and proactive. Interestingly enough, After taking time to feel my feelings, the urgency that I'd felt to quickly get a podcast out explaining my error now felt a lot less urgent. Instead, I took the day off. I celebrated my son's birthday with the ability to actually be fully present. And I welcomed home my husband from his six weeks of travel abroad, also feeling fully present something that would not have been possible had I still been avoiding and therefore still carrying the feeling of embarrassment. So on Monday morning, feeling refreshed, I set about rewriting this whole podcast in the way it was meant to be, written from the other side of the experience rather than right in the middle. Feeling your feelings is a learned skill, especially since most of us are so practiced at avoiding them. (laughs) And just as Dr. Joan Rosenberg says, we often feel our feelings before we understand them consciously. The instruction to feel your feelings, it can actually be kind of frustrating if you don't actually know what you're feeling or why you're feeling the way that you do. I'm practicing to get faster, but I confess, I oftentimes don't realize I'm not feeling my feelings until I suffer the consequences. In early October during General Conference weekend, 
I found myself struggling to be nice to my family. (laughs) I was super snappy. Here we were trying to listen to our prophet and apostles share messages of light and hope. And I'm yelling at my kids to be quiet and to stop bugging each other. And I was snapping endlessly at everyone all day long. I was totally baffled with my behavior. I'd done all the things that give me daily support, and I'd honored the fundamentals. I had gotten my sleep. I'd eaten well. I'd meditated. I'd been on a great walk outside. And here I had the amazing opportunity to hear the prophet speak. And yet... I was walking around my house being grumpy mean to everyone. (laughs) And towards the end of the day, I sent some text messages to my friend in frustration describing my struggle. I closed my venting session by adding to my list of grievances these words. To make it worse, my husband leaves Monday morning for six weeks overseas. As soon as I said that... (laughs) I started to bawl my eyes out. (laughs) Oh, that's what was wrong. I've totally been avoiding my feelings about his departure and what it will mean for our family. An hour later, I found myself on a dinner date with my husband, apologizing for my behavior and confessing that I had been avoiding the uncomfortable feelings of him leaving. We sat across the table from one another, holding hands while I cried and admitted feeling fear and stress about being alone. We both cried and ate our dinner and felt so much better after feeling what I had been trying to avoid. Sometimes we figure it out quickly. Other times we wade through the muddy mess of avoidance until we figure out what got us into the mess in the first place. But always the time to feel your feelings is when you realize you're not. Brave it out for 90 seconds with hope and faith that the physical sensations will subside very soon. And then you can get to work on what comes next. Then you can call on the mantras and tools and every other helpful thing to create something better. We must pass through the uncomfortable feelings to fully feel peace and joy and love. It's a gift of mortality to taste the bitter that they may know to prize the good. The most happy and resilient people are those who fully feel the spectrum of emotions. They are willing to feel all of it. There's one person who knows how to feel the uncomfortable more than any other person. When I think of the atonement of Jesus Christ, I am awed and amazed at his willingness to not only feel the uncomfortable feelings of his own mortal experience, but to feel all the uncomfortable that would be experienced by every single person who had and would ever live. He partook of the bitter cup And it was through his suffering he triumphed over death. It's been said that pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. I'll say that again. Pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. In other words, we all experience pain as part of the mortal life. But suffering is a choice. It's optional. 
Is this really true? <laughs> Let's find out. The Lord tells us in Doctrine and Covenants section 19, For behold, I, God, have suffered these things for all, that they might not suffer if they would repent. But if they would not repent, they must suffer even as I, which suffering caused myself, even God, the greatest of all, to tremble because of pain and to bleed at every pore and to suffer both body and spirit and would that I might not drink the bitter cup and shrink. Nevertheless, glory be to the father. And I partook and finished my preparations unto the children of men. So, according to the Lord, our suffering is optional. But let us explore what it means to suffer, because we humans tend to suffer very differently than the way the Lord does. It's important to note, the Greek word for suffer means to allow. I first discovered this when I was reading the New Testament scripture when Jesus says, suffer the children to come unto me. Now, if you look at the footnote on the word suffer here, it gives the Greek translation, which means to allow. Therefore, we could translate this verse to say, allow the children to come unto me. If we take this same translation into other times and places we use the word suffer, we discover something quite amazing. Godly suffering is the exact opposite of human suffering. We humans suffer when we resist. Godly suffering is to allow. I'll say that again. Humans suffer when we resist. Godly suffering is to allow. We suffer when we resist our uncomfortable feelings. This is natural. Or could I say, this is the natural man. We naturally don't want to feel pain and uncomfortable feelings. But the Lord is inviting us to avoid human suffering by doing the exact opposite and allowing ourselves to feel. Let us taste the bitter so we can know to prize the good. Let us pass through sorrow that we can know joy. This Christ-like attribute of allowing has a name. It's called long-suffering. Or if we're using the Greek translation, we could call it long-allowing. Long-suffering can look many different ways. And one of my favorite ways to interpret it is the reminder to me to feel my feelings, to allow them, feel them, and then move through them to the other side. When Jesus describes his suffering of both body and spirit, we know he physically felt all of the pain and discomfort each of us would feel in our own life. His willingness to allow his body to feel is important to note. Our own tendency to close off and resist the physical feelings of our emotions closes us off to our body. Who do you think it is that would have us close off to our body? Satan, who has no body, does all he can to tempt us to misuse or reject our body. If you have ever struggled with thoughts of, I shouldn't be feeling this uncomfortable emotion, 
then please understand who could place the thought in your mind. Anytime you shame your feelings, you can be sure it comes from him. The one who does not want you to feel. The one who does not want you to experience your body. The one that does not want you to stay open and have long suffering. The one who does not want you to move through sorrow to know the joy on the other side. We can't be selective on which emotions we'll feel and which ones we reject. They're all part of the package of mortality. When we close off and we resist the uncomfortable, we inadvertently close off to all that is good at the same time. It's much like a door that we can open and shut. Mortality brings every type of feeling and experience, health and sickness, pleasure and pain, light and dark. I cannot open the door and say, I'm only letting in the pleasurable feelings and experiences of life. Mortality is a package deal. Everything has its opposite and they come together. When you remain open to all feelings, the bitter and the sweet, you're now open to receive everything the Lord has for you. The more pleasurable feelings, yes, and also the blessings, the revelation, the guidance, and the miracles. In this state of being open and allowing, something truly amazing happens. Now pay close attention. In this state of being open and allowing, we experience the ability to feel uncomfortable feelings without becoming them. I can feel angry without becoming angry. I can feel frustration without becoming frustration. I can feel irritation without becoming irritation. Perhaps the reason we're so quick to resist our feelings is because we don't want to become them. But I have come to learn that becoming the emotion only happens when resisting it. I close up, I trap it inside, and it has nowhere else to go until it escapes in an explosion of me becoming the exact thing I'm trying to resist. If I stay open and I allow the feeling to pass through me, I don't become it at all. Godly suffering is the exact opposite of human suffering. Human suffering is to resist. Godly suffering is to allow. You can feel it and not become it. With this in mind, it's interesting to read Moroni's description of charity, which he describes saying, charity suffereth long and is kind, is not easily provoked. Why are you not easily provoked if you have charity? Because you suffer long. You allow the feeling of being provoked by an emotion, but you don't become it. You feel it. You stay open. You feel the uncomfortable feeling and you move through it. Our world is very easily provoked right now. Now more than I have ever seen in my entire life. I wonder what could happen if we learn to allow our feelings without becoming them. What if we could feel offense without becoming offended? 
What if we could feel anger without becoming anger? What if we allowed all our feelings without judgment and without shame? What would happen if we truly practiced long suffering? If we really seek peace and unity in our hearts, our homes, and our world, we must start with feeling our feelings. It is no coincidence that Moroni describes charity by first mentioning long suffering. It is the hinge that opens the gate to all the other parts of charity. We cannot command everyone to love and unity if we are not willing to feel the division, offense, anger, and pain. We must learn to suffer as God suffers, or else we will inevitably destroy ourselves. And who better to help us feel than the one who felt it all? Let us help each other towards the peace and unity that we seek in our nation and in our own hearts by first feeling the uncomfortable feelings that we may be trying to resist. Let us taste the bitter so we can know to prize the good. The way to good is through. Imagine your life feeling your feelings and look forward with faith. Do you listen to these podcast episodes and love what you hear and wonder where to start? I invite you to take my free mini meditation course called The Miracle of Meditation, How to Transform Your Prayers for More Presence, Connection, and Revelation. Most of my listeners already have a practice of personal prayer, but the idea of meditation can seem a little foreign. What if I told you meditation is simply a higher form of prayer and you could integrate it right now into your personal prayers? This free course will teach you three things you can do right now to make your prayers more meditative. It's the perfect bridge between traditional prayer and meditation, and it's one of the most powerful tools I have found for increasing personal revelation in my life and to really hear God's voice for me. If this is calling out to you, I invite you to register at the link in the show notes, or you can find it on my website at brooksnow.com. You can do this. I am cheering you on.